Hello, and welcome to Birth of Family Church Podcast. We trust that you'll find an encouraging word to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And if you're visiting the area, or if you're looking for a good church home, come check us out at birthedfamilychurch.org. There you can find our location and service times. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless. certainly haven't deserved it or earned it, but yet we have it through His grace. Amen. Well, let's get our Bibles out. Let's put on the feed bag, as they say. Let's, let's start feeding on the Word of God tonight. Let's get our strength renewed. Let's go ahead and spend time getting life imparted to our spirits. Thank you, Lord. We've been talking about being redeemed from the curse of the law. And we've been getting to that part where we've been talking about the benefits of redemption. Last week, we talked about the price that was paid to purchase our redemption. But now we're looking at what was actually uh, exchanged uh, through redemption, what has been lifted off of us, those things that we've been delivered from, and that which he has given to us by his grace. So we found the, the threefold curse of the curse of the law. We found out that the curse was poverty, sickness, and of course spiritual death. And therefore the blessing is, is simply the reciprocal of that or imparting life into the curse, getting it to a place where it's producing a blessing. That means that we have spiritual life we have health, longevity, along with prosperity, or having our needs met to the degree or to the place where we have an overflowing surplus. Amen? Hallelujah. Running over, as the Bible says. Well, we're talking about tonight about being redeemed from spiritual death. And as I jumped into this uh, this afternoon, I thought it was going to be just you know, easy peasy. But uh, I found that there were some things that I felt like by the Holy Spirit that we needed to get out there and talk about. And so that's what we're going to do. So let's go ahead and get our Bibles out and go to Genesis chapter 2. Are, are you believing for Revelation tonight? Okay. Are you going to get something tonight? Are you looking for something? You got your heart open. Are you expecting? Are you ready to get something from the Lord? What about you out there in the streamland, out there watching by the live stream? You going to get something tonight? You know, we can have what we say. We can have what we expect. We can have what we're looking for. We can have what we draw into ourselves. So tonight, Holy Spirit, we're looking to you for help. We're looking to you to speak in such a way that we hear you with our spirit man, 
that you will take that which sounds natural, but you will impart spiritual life unto us. And that we will be fed, we will be quickened, we will be strengthened, that our resolve shall be solidified, and we shall follow you with joy. We thank you, Lord, that we will grow tonight and that we'll be transformed into more of your likeness day by day. We thank you for it in the mighty and holy and majestic and overcoming name of who? Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, we're here in Genesis chapter 2. And we found out that... <clears throat> that the first curse that God said would come upon man for breaking his law is found right here in Genesis 2.15. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Now look, this is God after the creation, and he was setting man in the garden. And it says in verse 15 that God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden, to dress it and to keep it. Now that doesn't mean that he was a gardener per se, but he was given the oversight, the stewardship over God's creation. He was God's man overseeing the earth. And look in verse 16, God commanded the man. He says, of every tree of the garden you shall freely eat, but of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. Now look at the consequences of disobedience to that command. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Understand that there are always consequences when you and I disobey God. There are always consequences. I know our mind thinks that we can get away with it. I know that we justify certain um, behavior, but there's always going to be consequences when we willingly and knowingly disobey God. Well, the same is true here for Adam. Notice he says that if you disobey God's law, what is the consequences? He says that thou shalt surely die, or could we say that death was the penalty? Now, because we're primarily physically minded, we spend most of our time in this physical realm. We, we get the idea that that's all there is. And when we see this word die, or we see this word death, we, we, our mind immediately goes to thinking about physical death. And, and many of us have been traumatized through physical death. It has become an enemy. And so when we hear death, we hear that someone died. The very first thing we think of is physical death. But yet Adam and Eve didn't die physically when they sinned. Look here in verse 6 of Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. It says that when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree and a tree to be desired to make one wise. 
she took the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also to her husband with her. So you understand that Adam was there the whole time. At any time, he could have stood in and said, no, we're not going to disobey God, and could have put an end to that. And when they did that, they did eat. And it says in verse 7 that their eyes were then opened, and they knew that they were naked. And so they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now look here now. This is after they transgressed. This is after the penalty of disobeying God had, had already been implemented and they had died. Notice it says that Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees in the garden. So notice that after they sinned, they now, in God's presence, there was a condemnation. There was a, there was a gap. You and I know exactly what that's, what that's like. When we do something, we know it's wrong, and we transgressed against God. We know that we've disappointed God. We, we, we don't want to be hanging around with God in that moment. Because we know that we have transgressed. We know that we have disobeyed. We, we know that what we did was wrong. And it pushes us away from God. There's this weight of guilt and condemnation. And that's exactly what was going on here with, with Adam and with Eve. So they hid themselves. You see, their relationship with God had changed because of their disobedience. In reality, they become they became separated from God. Sin will always separate you and I from God. And that's why it's so important that when you and I miss it, and yes, we miss it. <laughs> I'm not going to say how often we miss it, but we miss it, don't we? Once we recognize that, you and I need to go to him immediately and get it under the blood. Get it removed, get it removed, and restore that righteousness through cleansing when we confess our sin to him. Amen. So they became spiritually dead. Now, we talked about this a little bit the last study we were in, that there are three kinds of death. Do you guys remember the different kinds of death? Okay, that maybe it's good that we're going to go over it again because we're going to get this, right? Now, we found out that both Adam and Eve what? They died because they transgressed. So what kind of death did they experience? Hmm? A spiritual death? Oh, well, then we don't have to do it. Let's go to page 10. No. <laughs> awesome. Awesome, both of you. We're going to look at the three kinds of death. Now, the first one that we know very well is physical death. That's the first kind of death. Remember, we're talking about this because it says that Adam and Eve died. 
We started seeing the ramifications of it when they didn't want to be in the presence of God. But what kind of deaths did they die? That will then tell us what remedy was necessary to fix that, okay? The first kind of death is physical death. That's so simple to understand. It's when the life force leaves the physical body of man and the spirit and the soul of the man go to an eternal place. Physical death is an enemy to both God and to man and shall be the last enemy that is put underfoot. I want you to make a notation of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 24 through 26. I'm just going to read this 26 verse. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death or physical death. Understand that the reason that you and I are so impacted by physical death is because it's an enemy that has yet to be defeated. Now, Jesus defeated it, but he hasn't redeemed us from it yet. And when we get our glorified body, that's when... What do you mean a glorified body? Well, you and I are going to have our body glorified like the body that Jesus now has. It's going to be, it's going to be able to interact in a physical way, but it, it'll be eternal. It's what we call a flesh and bone body. And that same body that Jesus has, the kind of body that can walk through walls, the kind of body that people can come up and touch him. Remember, he talked to, um, who was the guy that denied him? Uh, he, he says, unless I put my hand, thrust my hand into your side, he actually could touch Jesus' glorified body. We're going to have a body like that. Amen? Doubting Thomas is who that was. And so understand that we're going to get a glorified body, and that's when physical death is going to be overcome, and that enemy will be defeated. But until then, physical death is an enemy. You and I have been impacted by it. Now, I want us to look at this example of the different kinds of death here in Luke chapter 16. And this is such a wonderful testimony. These are two actual people that existed on earth. And you and I will at least get to meet one of them. Because one of them is in heaven right now. Now look here in Luke 16, 19. There was a certain rich man. And he was clothed in purple and fine linen. And he fared sumptuously, or he ate really well every day. Look here in verse 20. But then in contrast to him, there was a certain beggar. And his name was Lazarus. So these are the two people in this testimony that we're going to be able to see not only the nature of man, but we can begin to see what happens when we're separated from our body. Here in verse 20, it says that this beggar named Lazarus, he was laid at the gate of this rich man, and he was full of sores, he was sickly, in verse 21, he desired to be fed with the crumbs 
that fell from the rich man's table. So he pretty much wanted the garbage that they were throwing out. That's what he was using to sustain life and to eat. It says that moreover, or it happened more often that instead of eating from the crumbs, that more often the dogs came and licked his sores. Now look at this, verse 22. And it came to pass that the beggar, Lazarus, he died. Well, which death did he die? Well, this is obviously physical death because it goes on to say, and he was then carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. So once you understand that physical death is simply just the removal or the absence of our spirit in that body. And the, the flesh or the body we're living in dies. The life goes out of it and it returns to the earth. But the spirit that was in that body continues to live. Did you notice how it says that he was carried by the angels? And we know that angels are spiritual beings. So they're taking his spirit to Abraham's bosom, and the rich man also died. Again, physical death. How do we know that? Because it was buried or put back into the earth. And because our body is made from dirt, made from the earth, it's going to return to the earth. Hallelujah. That's one way to look at physical death. It's just physical death is the only way that our spirit can be released to be with God in heaven. And so when we have that perspective of our loved ones who know Christ, when, when their body dies, well, that's just the release of their spirit so they can go and be present with the Lord. And he said that that is far better than what we're experiencing down here. Amen? So in that way, we can get a peace knowing that as far as they are concerned, that they are in a place that's better than what they had left. Now, it says that the rich man also died and was buried. So both men died, and both their bodies remained on the earth. Yet, the two men continued to live. Now, see, the world has the view of physical death is that's the end and that's all there is to life. And that's sad. And that's why a lot of them uh, live a very accelerated and aggressive life down here because they're trying to get as much as they can, do as much as they can, because when they die, it's all over. And so to them, death is the end of all things. For you and I, it's the beginning of many more things. Because we know that we're going to continue to live, and we know where we're going to live. So these two men keep living, and I thought this was a good opportunity for you and I to... Did you guys ever take apart frogs in, in school? I think that was a junior high thing. You didn't do it? I think I missed out on that, too. Maybe that day 
we didn't get enough supplies of uh, frogs that day. But I've heard of other people doing it, and uh, so they would dissect a frog and take it apart and see what was do, you know, what was, what it looked like on the inside. Well, we need to dissect our being and our nature. And the Bible clearly teaches that we have three distinct parts to our nature. And I want you going over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 23. This is going to help us as we're looking at the rich man and Lazarus. So obviously, if we were simply a body and we died, then there would be no need for an angel to take something that's dead to Abraham's bosom. Right? But we see that that's not the case. The Bible teaches that we actually have three parts to our nature. First and foremost, we are eternal spirits. We are an, eter an eternal spirit. We have a mind, and many times the, the Bible calls that our soul. And we live in a body. So these are the three parts of our nature. Look here in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23. And this is a tremendous uh, revelation to get of who we are. Because I lived my life for quite a few years, probably a quarter of a century, believing that I was simply a body. And so you can understand that death to me was kind of a pretty bad thing. When, my, when I lost my dad, I thought, well, there he is. I've lost him forever. Not knowing that he's not simply a body. That's just one part of him. Look at it. It says here in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. It says that the very, <clears throat> very God of peace sanctify or cleanse you wholly or completely. Now he begins to pray for each part of this individual. I pray that your whole spirit, everybody say spirit, and soul, say soul, and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice that he says that we are a spirit. Notice he says that we have a soul or a mind, and they both live where? In a physical body. Now, to explain these different parts is that our spirit, with our spirit, we contact or interact in the spiritual realm. And that's so important for us because God's kingdom is spiritual. And so if we're going to receive the benefits of being in a spiritual kingdom, we have to learn how to interact with our spirit to receive those blessings and those benefits of the spiritual kingdom of God that we live in. Our spirit is our inner man, so to speak. The Bible also calls the inner man as the hidden man of the heart. The, the hidden man of our spirit and our spirit is who we really are now you understand that our spirit comes from God 
It tells us over in Hebrews chapter 12 that our Father God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, is the Father of spirits. And so our spirit uh, is placed within us at conception. We've heard it said that, that God has known us since we were in our mother's womb. Well, he wasn't talking about knowing our physical man. He was talking about knowing our spirit. We also found out that at the, out of the mouth of uh, babes and sucklings, sucklings comes perfected praise. That's a spiritual voice from a baby going up to God. I can remember a time that our daughter, and she's always been this way, she's still that way. She's been very, she's very conscious. I wouldn't call her a seer quite yet, but she, 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 there's, there's times where she actually sees into the spirit realm. And there was a time, and if you heard this, I'm sorry for repeating myself, but we were in a service down in Longmont, and uh, we were actually at Bethel Temple, and we were down there to see a guest speaker, and we had gotten down there early because we wanted good seats. And so we're down there, we're just out sitting in the auditorium, and it's like, you know, 30 minutes before the service, we're just sitting there, and Amanda was with us, and so she's tired, and so we laid her down on, on the pew. And so she's just laying down on her back on the pew, and she's just looking up in the ceiling. And uh, all of a sudden, she goes, she started going like this. And I was on one side of her, Mara was on the other side of her, and we're going, what are you doing, Amanda? She says, well, there's, there's angels up there. And we start, well, what are they doing? She started describing what they were doing. And uh, she was very conscious. This is, this is when she was young enough that, that her spirit was still alive unto God. It was before she came to that that. That, that moment of understanding and transgressed against God and was then separated from him. And so here she is just seeing this, these spiritual things happening and, and we're looking and I wanted to see and I couldn't see anything and nor could my wife. But this little girl, I don't know, she might have been six years old at the time. She was just watching in the spiritual realm. Well, we get our spirit from God, and therefore it's eternal. We've been made in the likeness of God. Now, we're not God. I've got to say that some people, you know, take that information a little too far. We're like God. We're, we're eternal spirits. We're going to live forever. That, that's... That's kind of hard to wrap our brain around that because we're so accustomed to this natural scene realm where things die. Our plants die. Our house gets old. Our car gets worn out. Even this, this, this earth is groaning and, because it's getting so old. Because everything in this earth is in that cycle of heading towards death and corruption. But this man on the inside is going to live forever. And so we are an eternal spirit. And that's the part of us that God touched when we received Jesus. 
He didn't touch our mind. He didn't touch our body. He touched that part that he placed in us. He touched our spirit man. And through a new birth, he resurrected it back to newness of life. Oh, hallelujah. Now, our spirit's voice is our conscience. That's the voice of our spirit. It says here in Romans chapter 9, verse 1, I tell the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience, that's the voice of his inner man, my conscience always bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. The next one is real easy to talk about, the body. It's not too difficult to locate the body. The body is what we're looking at when we look in the mirror, right? So with our body, that's what gives us expression in a physical world. You see, God put a spirit of which we are in a body so that we could express ourselves in a physical world. This outer man is simply a temporary house that we live in. I like to call it an earth suit because we, we can't be here on this earth without being in our body. And that's why you don't talk to loved ones who have died and left earth. Because they can't communicate with you now down here. They don't have a body anymore. And plus, there's a, there's a separation from where they are and where we now are. So this outer man is really the house we live in. And the voice of our body is our feelings. Our feelings. Here's Thomas, who I forgot who was not too long ago. John chapter 20, verse 27. This is Jesus. And I was just thinking about that Jesus wasn't in the presence of Thomas when he said it but yet he knew he said it. Do you know that there's nothing in our life that's hidden from God? I know we try and do things in secret, but guess what? He knows everything. Nothing can be hid. And so Thomas, after he heard the disciples tell him that, well, we've seen the Lord. And this is after that, that Thomas saw Jesus die on the cross. He, he saw him breathe his last breath. He sensed life go out of him on the cross. They, he, he saw them take him down, his lifeless body, off that cross. And he, he saw him thrown into a tomb. Or at least his body. And so when they said, uh, they said to him, we've seen the Lord, he didn't believe it because he saw him die. And he says, I will not believe 
unless I put my fingers in the, in the holes of his hands and, and I thrust my hand into where that soldier sliced his belly open. He says, unless I do that, I will not believe. So here comes Jesus. Remember, he's got this glorified body. He can express himself in a physical world and yet not be subject to physical laws at the same time. He says to Thomas in verse 27 of John chapter 20, he says, put your finger into my hands. Put your hand into my side. Now look what he calls Thomas. He says, don't be faithless any longer. Believe. That's quite a rebuke. Thomas responds in verse 28. My Lord and my God. Thomas said. Verse 29, then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who haven't seen me and yet believe. So understand that Thomas couldn't believe because he was depending on what his body was telling him. He was going by what could be seen, what could be touched, what could be felt. And that made his criteria to believe. And how many times did Jesus run into that in his earthly ministry? They say that how many of those religious leaders says, we're not going to believe in you. Here he is in their very presence. And yet they don't believe in him. And they say, we won't believe unless we see a sign. That's why a lot of people miss heaven. Because they want their senses satisfied. They want evidence and proof. But yet God requires that we believe without physical proof. What our heart is revealing to us, what the Bible is saying, what the preachers have told us from the Word of God is the only evidence we're ever going to see. And thank goodness that that's enough for us. That's what separates us from most of the world. They're waiting for something that will just completely satisfy all their questions. Why this? Why that? And yet we've come as a little child. You don't have to show us. Your word is sufficient. We believe you. That's really what faith is. That was the faith that was required of, required of us to be born again. That's the faith that's required of us to receive healing and, and all the blessings that God has for us. Amen. Okay, we're almost there. The last thing is our mind. And with our mind, we, we contact the intellectual realm. 
it's with it, our mind is our intellect it's our emotions and in our mind is our will our choice of decision I kind of look at our being like a pendulum that moves from one point to another. At the top of the pendulum is our mind. And this pendulum that, that moves back and forth is our power of choice. And with our mind, we choose to either follow our body or with our mind, we choose to follow our spirit. And so that's why our mind is so instrumental and, and, and why it's so important for us to renew our mind, to, to allow ourselves to start thinking by God, thinking like God by getting into the Word of God and allowing Him how to think. When we learn how to think, then that changes what we believe. And when we change what we believe, then it changes how we act. And so our mind is that part of us that, that is, is very powerful because it contains our, our decision. See, when we bowed our knee to Jesus and we accepted Christ into our heart, we had to violate a lot of things that were not satisfied yet in our mind, in our intellect, in our reasoning, in our logic. A lot of, a lot of what we embraced in that moment of accepting Christ we had to put aside. And we still have questions that aren't answered. But yet, we're holding to the truth with our heart and not with our mind. Look here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. saying by faith that this is the last scripture. <laughs> Hallelujah. Look here, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. This is what the King James calls the natural man. Verse 14 says, but the natural man. The natural man is the mind of man. Now look at this. The natural man, our mind, receives not the things of the Spirit of God. What was hindering Thomas? Here he's got these men and women that he traveled with for three and a half years. He developed relationships with them. He knew they weren't liars. He knew they weren't exaggerators. He knew that they weren't crazy people. And they came to him and said, we saw Jesus. Why could he not believe what they said? Because he was going by his natural man. He was going by logic. He was going by what he had experienced and what he had seen. And it says that the natural man receives not 
the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. How many times have you talked to somebody about the things of God and they almost start busted out laughing at us? Why? Because to us it makes so much sense. Because we've tasted of the Lord and we know he's good. We have a relationship. We, we, we've had so many interactions with him. We know he's real. But they're laughing. Because it doesn't make sense to their intellect. It doesn't make sense to what they have heard and what they have already embraced as the truth. And we've got to be careful that we don't allow our mind to keep us from the things that God has for us. Neither can he know them, the natural man, because the things of God are spiritually understood. So say, I am a spirit. I have a mind. And I live in this earth suit. I am a spirit. I will live forever. And when I leave this body, and therefore leave this earth, I will go to the presence of the Lord. Because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I live my life from the inside out. Because I am a spirit. I have a mind. And I take my mind and I renew it with the word of God. I tell my mind what to think. I tell my mind what to believe. And I live in a body. This body's not me. It just is how I get around. It's like a car. It's a vehicle. It takes me here. It takes me there. And it gives my spirit expression. I choose to be a good steward of my body. Hallelujah. 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 So, Father, tonight, thank you that we are eternal spirit beings. Help us to continue to, to learn how to recognize leadings from within, even when leadings from the outside are trying to pull us in a different direction. Help us to recognize you, Lord. Help us to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks for coming out tonight, guys.